0: Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depth of the word. A word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, welcome back to What's the Word Downtown. I'm Matt McGill with Pastor Mike Hall. Mike, thank you for yesterday. Man, that was fun. It was really great. I... Uh, took some notes, and then I listened again this morning just so I could make sure I understood some of the things that you were saying. And I really liked your apophatic approach. In a sense, you told us what the gospel is by first telling us what it's not. You're going the back way around. You're saying, hey, what are some killjoys? What are some things that are that are effectively and functionally uh, preventing you uh, from living out the gospel yeah. or are somehow compromising your ability to do your spiritual ability to do so
1: and even red flags right Mm -hmm. so sometimes there's a piece where the kill joy you see it and you say hey that right there is a way to identify something that is not the gospel that someone might be saying is the gospel Uh, but then it's an also sometimes when when we're say legalism right Mm -hmm. when we're living in legalism especially uh, which i hope we get to talk a little bit about that last verse there uh, about the old wine some but especially when we talk about legalism uh, for some of us who grew up in a legalistic culture or a legalistic uh, church that you can easily fall into it and not even know you're there so the right. so the killjoy is all of a sudden a red flag to go wait a second why if if the yoke is easy and the burden is light why does this feel like a beat down why does this well, feel hard
0: in, you know it's like a, in one of the books i believe it was law and gospel that mockingbird put out david mm-hmm. talks a lot about uh, fruits of the gospel. We talk about fruits of the spirit a lot. Obviously, that's that's biblical. Right. And I'm not saying that fruits of the gospel is not biblical, but it's more implicit than explicitly stated. And one of the, one of the things that he says, like, what are some evidence that you that the gospel is alive and well in your heart? Not that we should be, like, looking around for it all the time and curved in on right. ourselves, concerned with, you know, our works or whatnot, but the sense of, like, uh, sense of humor, huh. ease, joy that's not, like, like happiness or sort of a manic right. up and down, but a sense of consistency and ease and level-headedness. Some of these things that, uh, you know, I mean, I suppose that they are also fruits of the Spirit, but like that, that the gospel has actually taken root in a transformative way. Well, on that, I mean, you yeah. think of just Jesus, yeah. that, that the person
1: of Jesus and who he is wasn't erratic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yet he was risky and still a wild man in, in a sense yeah. but there was a, a calmness to him people were there and they wanted to be next to him and there was this this peace Well
0: and that, that was your that was one of your first big points It' like hey Jesus is not I, put, I think I thought I wrote uh, expounding on your point yeah yeah good <laughs> is that Jesus is not just at the party Jesus is the party yeah so wherever he goes there is the party. Where could you, you know, and so that might that in, might inform, uh, you know, I, I think early on in in your walk, perhaps maybe this was your experience that you had your friends that were from the church and your friends that right. were from your old life. Right. And you could party with one set of friends, but you didn't really you wanted to kind of show your best self to your church friends. your kind of cleaned up self.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, so for me, I actually uh, I mean, my goal didn't change mm-hmm. or one of my goals didn't change. Before I knew Jesus and afterwards, before I was a believer, my goal was to go, how do I get the most out of life? Mm -hmm. And so I ran with the scene that where I thought I'd get the most out of -hmm. of life. And then I met somebody. I went, they seem to be getting more out of life than I am. Mm -hmm. What's that all about? And that's where I found Jesus.
0: Which is the definition of Christian hedonism. And (laughs) and that's really anchored in the idea that God actually wants good for you. He cares about your well-being and he wants you to prosper in him. Anchored in him. Right. There wasn't. There wasn't this uh,
1: self-denying. Hey, uh, let me deny all of joy, deny happiness, and so I can have the gospel. And that was your
0: first big point: the uh, sense uh, of like a killjoy of asceticism. You, you said that. So because I said it wrong. You said athleticism one time. You might have said all those things. <laughs> but here you are, uh, and you're talking about asceticism: this idea that's baked in to those who are who remain under some, in some ways, the burden of law. To say, hey, God may have saved you, but he doesn't want you to be too happy about it. You should kind of feel bad. Right, Pleasure is bad, That for for pleasure is an indication that you don't take seriously what God has done. Right. But if you were really suffering, that would be evidence that you really are appreciative of what God has done. Because that's the way yeah. our trans- our transactional right. relationships work. And so we have a de facto... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. posture to God to say, you may have done this wonderful thing to me, but now I feel indebted to return something. I've got to pay for it so I've got to pay back or I've got to show you why you were right to save me.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm still a, a... but what it actually does, right, it undermines the gospel mm-hmm. because even by paying back which is effectively what you're doing, even if it's unconscious, mm-hmm. you, you're nullifying the cross. You're saying the cross wasn't quite effective enough, mm-hmm. so let me show some remorse. Let, help me, mm-hmm. let me meet you there a little bit.
0: Instead of being the grain that that falls all the way to the ground and dies and cracks open and bears much fruit, you're resisting that death and trying to hang on there and manufacture this stuff in a way apart from God. You've saved me. Now I'm on my own to show you independent language. Sometimes I get worried about when people talk about follow Jesus, Mm -hmm. like Jesus is somewhere else, somewhere else out there. Like he went across the Hmm. street, follow him. Yeah. And and I think that we he does say pick up your cross and follow me no doubt about it I'm not trying to but I think this idea that we bake into God is somewhere other and so it's up for me to up to me to get to him mm-hmm. I think it's problematic yeah I, I, the, I
1: like the picture instead of, of walking in the Spirit mm-hmm. right that there's a sense of God lives within mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and so there's a sense of Brother Lawrence practicing his presence being there yes. connected to who he is yes um, God is
0: still punishing me for sin. Uh, anchors you to the boulder of your past sin. Hmm. The the idea that yeah. God is still punishing me—that must be why bad things are happening. I actually deserve it, mm-hmm. which is what the Pharisees. That's the default position. Right. Of the, who, who caused this man to be born blind? Was it his sin or his father's right. sin? Because it must be tied to sin that God is punishing. Yeah, uh, not right. Life on—I un- mean—is it?
1: Yeah. I mean, th- think about think about if you your kids. I mean, mm-hmm. if you give your Christmas morning. You give your kid a new skateboard. Um, you, you, what do you expect his response to be? Like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. Wonderful. And yeah. just joy and happiness. Yes. Okay, now my dad gave me a gift, so I've got to...
0: <sighs> He's going to skate a totally different way. You're ruining it. You're I ruining don't really gift. deserve this skateboard, and I shouldn't be happy about yeah. playing on it because... I really
1: deep down, I suck.
0: Because I, yeah. Yeah. But then you have the other... Deep, this deep this default position, uh, that, that, the, that an aesthetic or someone who's mm-hmm. taking on an aesthetic type of posture is this waiting for the other shooter drop. Like times are real good, right. but I know that I don't deserve times to be good. So I'm waiting for the other right. shoot. Uh,
1: yeah. So the example I use, yeah. I guess, you know, people, you've heard people say, you know, uh, praying for patience. Have you, I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah, this. Yeah, is, yeah. I don't, don't, don't you, ask
0: God to do something that might cost you something.
1: Right. Cause, cause he's, because, and it's this view of like, cause God's out to get you. He's yeah. up there either waiting for you to screw up or waiting for an opportunity mm-hmm. to bring down hammer. the hammer, yeah. right? To go, yeah, this is what you deserve. Mm-hmm. This is I, I imagine it's rooted in maybe what people think about their fathers or uh, that totally. there's this, you know, I, I mean, even the the thought of your kid and your dad. I mean, when you screw up, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to know what your father's response was and what your response would be. Like when you screwed up, did you go, oh, crap, well, I screwed up. What if my dad finds out? Or did you go? Oh, I screwed up. I, I gotta tell my dad about this.
0: Yes. Right. There's this. He'll help me make sense of how I screwed up and yeah. how to get over it and do do better the next time.
1: But if you have that first view of man, yeah. I, I, I screwed up, and what's my? Dad I've got doing to, to hide too?
0: from my dad. Yeah. Hide from my father because he's he's gonna bring down the hammer. I put. I wrote this. Each indigenous parental paradigm of morality.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to unpack that okay. a little bit because there's a whole lot
0: of each. Solutions. Each uh, your, your paradigm, the way you look at what morality is mm-hmm. that that individually sprouts and, and indigenously sprouts, that is to say it comes from Mike and Heather Halls what's been handed to them, what is their understanding of morality that each uh, indigenous parental paradigm of morality inevitably provokes children to anger. <laughs> and so as parents we have to be on the hunt for our own perverse, Morality yeah. that we inevitably dump onto our kids. It's like that's that's a way in which we remain children, even though we're the adults in the relationship. Right. We remain attached to some outcome of like, this is what's right. Yeah. So this is what you... Okay, so where do yeah. you see that with Maggie and Black? I think mine is really this sense of morality about the way that you react to someone. If someone does something nice for you, this is very, say, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And yes, sir. No, sir. Like I find myself talking, even though they're 12 and 13, I find myself answering for them the way that I want them to answer in a parental paradigm that actually goes back to my mom mm-hmm. and to what she thought was proper, that doing things the proper way was somehow um, the moral way as well. So, okay. Totally get that. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's yeah. a great example. So in
1: and, and the parenting thing, especially as kids are, you know, let's say four to 13 years old, mm-hmm. right? Where they're still very, very moldable. And and you're teaching your kids habits as mm-hmm. well right? and mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. So because um, I, I don't suppose that you're, uh, you're rooting for this parenting technique of don't tell your kids anything. Don't instruct no. them. Don't let them do their own thing. But... It's specific things. Like, so you'd want your kids to be thankful and to say thankful mm-hmm. and maybe to show respect. Mm-hmm. But it's different with that for you because there's a there's something else attached to it. It's not just training your kid, mm-hmm. that there's this righteousness. Or how this do I look old, in but, my, how are my yeah. kids
0: displaying my, you. me in reflection. my leadership mm-hmm. and reflection of me? And so it does become very ego revealing if we're, if we'll, if we'll pay attention, and really the reason that I the reason that I talk about that is because mm-hmm. a lot of the way we relate to God does in fact the it, it, it sprouts out of our for, our formation with our own parents, and so if we as parents aren't taking what the uh, what the uh, AAS would call a fearless moral inventory uh-huh. of the ways that we are offloading our sense of oughts and shoulds onto our kids beyond beyond the stage of that formative development Mm -hmm. and into this sense of external pressure applied to children that makes them think they have to hide from you.
1: Yeah. Right? Because what you're then doing is you're
0: training them in hiding from God. Yeah or thinking that God is always on the lookout suspicious of whether or not they're living up to his moral code. And if you have to hide from
1: your parents or hide mm-hmm. from God, yeah. that you're not you're going to miss the mark. Yeah. So it also then puts you in us versus them. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, it's this this cat mm-hmm. and mouse game that mm-hmm. my my dad's job is to bust me, my mm-hmm. job is to get by him. Mm-hmm. And so now what I what I'm conditioned to do when I'm under the law mm-hmm is to figure out, find the loopholes. That's right. That's what you said
0: yesterday. You did it so quick. You said, because you know what everybody does when you give a law, you just find the loopholes and work work your way around it. And you just went on. But it's like, uh, wait, you said a huge mouthful that if if I learn that success looks like hiding my failures, then I equate good hiding Hmm. as the best the best way to behave in this world yeah and that will will in time it may not you may be able to hide for a while but in time it will fragment and fray all of your relationships and you'll be left alone because you're living a lie
1: because your whole your whole goal is to have your real self uh, not know your perceived or false self mm-hmm. and so you're, you're living an incongruent life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and whereas that's, that's why the gospel's so free is because mm-hmm. you get to live a congruent life. what you actually do, what you actually believe, what you actually say is all the same thing. And so you don't have to worry or be anxious or be concerned about your your shortcomings
0: because you're free to go it's who I am and, and I'm still loved. And you can look at your shortcomings Especially as they relate to other people, and the way you tend to get in the way of somebody else's spiritual growth or somebody else's somebody else's walk by provoking them because of your unconscientiousness, and I think that I think that it's one of the reasons that I was so drawn to your message was uh, it was uh, it there was a little bit of law baked into it, and so much it's like, hey, do you realize there are some real ways to think wrongly about the gospel that will. Make you a less catching person because what you basically said is people drew close to Jesus. Why? Because he was catching. He wasn't putting people off. He wasn't. I mean, except Mm -hmm. those who love the law more than they love God. But, but he was a catching person. What are those? What are those ways we think about the gospel making us repugnant to people, putting us off from people? How are we overreaching? Yeah, uh, in in our lives. Yeah, you know that's a that's a real space to consider.
1: Right, and. And it's a and, and can be a bit convicting because it's nobody ever I say nobody I, I mm-hmm. don't know anybody mm-hmm. that that dives in uh, and says they're a Pharisee P- even if you want to be the uh, say the villain right the act, uh, uh, devil's advocate devil you right in yeah. the gospel or, or, or okay. the character the antagonist okay. in the gospel if you want to be the character in the in the gospel that goes okay. yeah I'm the wrong guy. I'm the sinner or I'm unforgiven, but nobody, nobody wants to identify as a Pharisee. Like that mm. that feels really bad because the yeah. Pharisees are pompous and they're, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's difficult, I think, uh, for a Christian to read Scripture and go, I'm, I'm a Pharisee right there. I'm Pharisaic. Uh, because it is. There's nothing
0: cool about that. But then you find some churches, yeah, some messages where they take Passages about zeal for the law and zeal for obedience, and they say, You're a Christian, and then they pull from right these old Testaments to where to then they say, and i'm going to offload onto you the pressure of obedience and zeal. Don't you see this is the standard, and even though Jesus has paid everything, we what really matters is that you worked and that you feel the pressure to yeah, you know.
1: And as, as we talk about the, the killjoys or maybe the red flags, yeah. it's easy to identify those people because you don't want to be with them. Nobody <laughs> wants to hang out with that guy. It's a beatdown. It and is. It's a, and it's a beatdown for his family. It's a beatdown for himself.
0: Mm-hmm. So if that's you, stop. Stop doing that, We're going to And we're going to tell you next week. <laughs> uh, if comparison is the thief of joy, then how does legalism not inevitably lead to joylessness? Because... The, because Because comparison, we know that comparison is the thief of joy. If I'm looking at what somebody else has or what somebody else is doing versus what I'm doing, I'm always going to be able to find holier people. Or I'm always going to be able to find people that are less holy that I can turn my nose up at. But in the end, the default uh, equation ends up with me less full of joy, less full of ease.
1: Well, and even... Because as you say, comparison, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're putting the standard against somebody else. I, I, I think oftentimes it, it is the thief of joy, but even worse is sometimes it's actually the giver of joy mm. when you're better than they are. Mm. So you, you find yourself and you put yourself in positions where, hey, I'm going to compare myself in this area to you because I'm actually, I'm actually better than them. Mm-hmm. And then it, that even gives you more of a self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. So if you're better than somebody, you have self righteousness. If you're worse than somebody, you have self pity. Either way, it's based in self and pride,
0: mm-hmm. and not the gospel. And these are dangerous things, man. I mean, there are there are men who make little cutting uh, slights and shows of malevolence to their wife continually because mm-hmm. they feel insecure and they want their wife wives on their heels. They want their wives just a little bit defeated. They want them mm-hmm. to know their place. And I know it happens from women to men as well. Sure. But this, but 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 this is a real uh, a real thing—the way the law uh, steals joy, robs us of intimacy, and compels us to find ourselves looking better, feeling better mm-hmm. than someone that we actually say we love and ought to be, or can be—right, uh, sharing uh, the benefit of the doubt and the and so
1: yet—and maybe I'm maybe mm-hmm. I'm jumping ahead yeah, here. No. Um, so as we talk about it, on one hand, you go. Well, yeah, why would you want to do that? that? Who would want to live under the law when you can live under the grace? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that doesn't make sense. But so often it's a default uh, because there is safety in in knowing the rules for some people. You the, did
0: say that. You did say that that there is uh, that living under the legalism yeah. seems safer, appeals and allures to us because it looks like. You know, I always tell the guys, hey, what we're looking at here is we're not looking at uh, something that's. Uh, this book is not prescriptive. It's not telling us what to do, it's mm-hmm. descriptive, it's explaining to us what actually is the work of God, what God yeah. what God's work actually looks like. And to me, your sermon was not prescriptive, it was descriptive of what a, a life under the law looks like, even for a Christian, and how prevalent that is and how necessary it is to ask that God, like the psalmist said, Search me, if there be any way within me, you know, impure, right. off the mark, if I'm missing it, bring it to my consciousness. And praise God, we have a community of people who will love us in spite of ourselves. Yeah. As you and I, uh, chief among sinners, uh, clearly show that if we can be loved, anyone can be loved. Yes. So, um, that, and acknowledging that is half the half the battle. I don't know. That was GI Part Joe. I think yeah. That, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I, I do. Uh, yeah. Well, and this is the the last the last verse there in mm-hmm. Luke, where where Jesus talks about the old wine. Yeah. And and that the, that old wine is. People say, "Hey, this is better wine." Which again, appreciate Jesus understanding wine. But he says some people say it, it's good enough, and that is actually uh, a confusing last piece of. Because it kind there. of sounds like, "Eh, we'll deal with it." And that's that's actually, a, it's enough. It's good enough. And 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 this is of course Jesus talking, in mysteries yeah. where the people that need to get it get it. Yeah. So if you say, "How you know the the people who drink," Some people will say, hey, I'll have the old wine because, you know, it's good enough. Yeah, Almost a wink there. That, <laughs> that that if it's good enough, that I'm offering you this new wine, but you're going to say this is good enough. And I think that's what we do mm-hmm. with the law. That especially if you grew up in the law mm-hmm. and maybe you've been introduced to grace and you became a believer. But you find yourself going back to the law because you go, you know what? I get morality. And morality feels comfortable. When people, when people around me are moral, when my kids are moral, when my husband's moral, my wife's moral, that makes my life easier. And so to to give them the freedom, to to use your example, for, for our kids not to say please and thank you because it means something to me mm-hmm. and it makes me mm-hmm. feel better about myself because mm-hmm. it reflects on me somehow, to give them the freedom not to do that, that, that doesn't feel good. So you know what? I'm going to go back to the law because that's good enough. Mm-hmm. At least... Well, and I don't
0: trust peace. that my kid won't get in a car wreck, or right. that my wa- my girlfriend won't end up. I don't have a girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> so, that someone's girlfriend, but <laughs> that uh, your daughter, you said, right. won't end up pregnant. I mean, well, that's okay. So that's real, yeah. right? I mean, do you, so. If I don't reach into this, if I don't stop this, if I don't manufacture some outcome, then the worst is going to happen because I don't actually feel forgiven. Thus, I still feel like I deserve something bad to happen in my life. What do I care about more than anything? My children and their outcome. How do I protect that? I I mean, it's a whole thing, man. You just sent your uh, oldest off to college. Sent him off to college? Into the great
1: unknown. Yeah, at at UT Austin. Yeah. Liberal place, right? Yes. So he's he's off there and... There's all kinds of uh, places that that even identified, oh, where do I want to hold on? Mm-hmm. Where do I where do I trust? Maybe, you know, that last car ride there. Sure. You know, I've got four hours left. I've got to tell him, him all something. The wisdom. What, be- what can I say, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, this is, you know, I've had 19 yeah. years, but I feel like this last four hours is going to be the most important. I, no, there's a place where you go, the Holy Spirit lives in him. Mm-hmm. And I can trust that. I can trust that God loves him more than I love him. And, and it's not going to be up to me to make this work. And, and of course he's 19 going into adulthood here, mm. but even with our kids now sure. who aren't in college, right? And we talk about our kids, you know, going and getting drunk getting in a car wreck, mm-hmm. our daughter getting pregnant our husband and wives doing whatever, cheating, mm-hmm. looking at pornography, mm-hmm. all the, the stuff that happens. Um, What, how am I going to respond to that? Am I going to try to control that or even put my morality on them? And I think if a lot of times we're honest, and this is where I come, came back to Mm -hmm. saying it's, it feels safer or it's easier to live under the law. Um, there are a a lot of wives who would say a little bit of law is good. I don't want my husband. To look at pornography. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I, I'm gonna put some law there and make it the the most horrific sin and the most mm-hmm. moral failure and put this burden on him so that he he won't. Now I'm not pornography in, in no way is helpful for a marriage or good, and no do I condone it or mm-hmm. want it. But when you put the extra law on it, then what the husband is going to do is find the loophole. Because you've put an us first him, and the goal isn't to focus. He does He no Jesus. longer
0: feels that you're with him, and you know, and you, t- that kind of action is so detestable, okay. in a sense, to women that because because it's well, and we're, we could be off on a whole other dis- discussion here, <laughs> but but the objectification, the oppression yeah. of women, how can a woman have anything to do with that? To the degree that she leaves her husband in his battle against it alone, and no longer become no longer is the functional helpmate, right. As he suffers with this detestable thing, he feels cut off from a, from a, a source of power, right. a legitimate source of power, is my wife. So it's it's the handling of these kind of uh, the wisdom about knowing what's right and wrong, and even to talk
1: about descriptive versus uh, prescriptive, prescriptive, right? Mm-hmm. E- even when you talk about uh, hey, this law. So on the you can have the same uh, incident: the the person who's under the law and the person who is under grace, and the person under grace, the things they do, they might go, hey, this is a real struggle, so I'm going to put covenant eyes on my computer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell my buddies if I if, yeah. if I look at pornography and, and confess my sin, and I'm going to do these things because I'm under the grace, and because I love my God, and I love my wife, and sin still crouches out my door and sneaks
0: and down. I and I know I can't go, handle it on my own. I, yes. So I so want I can, that.
1: So I can yeah. I can give that up. Yeah. And and so the activities might look very similar
0: mm-hmm.
1: but but when you're <laughs> and the Holy Spirit works here when you're under grace and when you're under the law you're saying I don't need the Holy Spirit. I got it myself. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 you will fail. And That's it's it. going to be ugly.
0: Uh thank you. No man, thanks for it's, this is fun. That was great. We'll do it again. I'd love to have I'd love to hear from you. Some more, I, I could I could talk on this forever. It's such a it's a pivotal piece of of understanding, you know who we who we are in Christ and and why uh, we are in Christ. Yeah. So we'll see you uh, this Sunday morning at ten a.m. with Pastor Eric Barton back on the main stage. Uh, and uh, good times. It's been good. We'll see you soon. Bye now.